Well, happy Father's Day and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Why is it that sometimes it's so hard for us to share our faith when it's so much easier to speak freely about other things that we love? Today, we're going to see how the pressures of evangelism are sometimes misguided. And that which God asks from us is really just a complete trust in him and in his timing, his power, and in his enablement to witness. Thanks for joining us today as we see that all of these course corrections are available to us through prayer. All right, raise your hand if you like fishing. Who likes fishing? Almost every hand went um, Think of those things that you love to do. Spending time with uh, grandkids, spending time with family, uh, maybe getting the barbecue grill out, right? Uh, All the very varied variety of things that you could enjoy in life. When it comes to the things that you love to do, I very much doubt you need much motivation, right? Um, In fact, those things that you love, we naturally are devoted to. Imagine if somebody were to ask you the question, why do you like cheeseburgers? It's not hard because uh, they're amazing and they're delicious. Why, why do you like fishing? Oh, it's, it's exciting when they catch the hook and you never know how big it is. And, well, whatever it might be. Imagine if somebody were to ask you the, to, for you to give a reason. Why? Why do you love that thing so much? Now, for most of the things in the variety of our lives that we enjoy, it's not hard. It's really not hard at all. But what about your faith? What about, what about Jesus? What about your relationship with God? What if somebody were to ask you the question, so why do you love God? Sometimes I think that that's something that uh, the answer to that question is something that we have buried uh, under maybe layers of either tradition or it's just something we don't talk about culturally, right? You don't bring up religion or politics. You know, there's certain things that are off limits. And so, of course, I love God. But somehow we have been somewhat stifled in our confident, easy to give, contagious expression as to why we love God. One of the primary uh, elements within evangelism that we have to devote our time uh, to for this Sunday is how do we better engender in our hearts the preparedness to give a reason for the hope that you have? Have you seen the news? I'm not talking about today. I mean any day. Uh, Does the world need a message of hope? What do you say? Absolutely. Our world needs some hope in it. And you and I have been tasked. We, in fact, you've been commanded by God's word that you are prepared to give an answer for that hope that God has given you. And it's not hard to do when you're talking about cheeseburgers and grills and, and fishing. Uh, but sometimes it seems like it might be hard for us. And so what, what the scripture offers to us in an ability to better grow, to better engender in our hearts that preparedness to give an answer are two things. Prayer and being on mission. You're on a mission as a Christian. God has left you here. He hasn't taken you home yet. 
If you think about that for a moment, sometimes wouldn't it be nicer if the streets were paved with gold? Anybody rather have that? Wouldn't it be great if there was never any tears and they're all wiped away? But no, no, that time has not yet come for there is yet more. There's maybe one more. You don't know who it is, but God's waiting for that one last lost sheep to come. And he desires to use you to draw them back. And until that time, guess what? You are left here. And in being left here, it means that you're on a mission. Now, God doesn't leave you alone. He hasn't abandoned you to say, good luck with that. He gives you the spirit of God as the equipper to be the director, the counselor, the agent that will give you the right words to say at that moment. However, you and I are now left with a decision. How much of you is going to be yielded to the Spirit. The, the Spirit's ready and waiting. I, I think sometimes a, a, a coach uh, there on the sidelines, um, the, the players should be listening to the coach. They, he's got the plan, right? Sometimes the player wants to do what they want to do. Right? I should probably be best listening to the one with the plan. It's the same for us when it comes to our walk with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. He's got a plan for you. In fact, uh, this past week, as we were serving in the DR, uh, again and again and again, I heard testimony of those who said, God just led me to this one student, this one person to share with them. I, I, I can tell you from my own testimony, and I'll save that for a couple of weeks, how one of the workers uh, was just one that, boy, I, I wasn't even looking. I wasn't even looking for, the, for this guy, and God just put him right there for me. And then every single day, I knew I was here for this man. That's why I am here for this week. And I would have missed it unless I was listening to the sideline, unless I was listening to the Holy Spirit. And God has given us an, um, a mechanism for that, and it's called prayer. Prayer and mission are these two ingredients that God expects his followers to understand in such a way that you have a confidence Answer anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. In a world of hopelessness, we need to know how to share that message. And so once more here, as we are seeking to equip ourselves to be evangelists, a task that all of us are part of. Uh, I, I, I don't care how comfortable you are or not. Some of us can't wait to go tell them about Jesus. The rest of us are like, let me know how that goes. I don't <laughs> Uh, you, you all, all together, have a role to play in it. And, and for today, we are going to be in a fantastic passage in the New Testament. The book of Colossians. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn uh, to Colossians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is speaking to a church that he himself did not plant, but he has heard of. Uh, he, he recognizes their, their zealousness, their excitement for God, while also recognizing the culture that surrounds the church that can so easily cause those who have much to be thankful and, uh, and give an evidence for the love that they have instead to be stifled. Uh, it's a lot like our world. The, the culture of Colossae is very similar to the world that you and I live in. And so there's a preparedness that the Holy Spirit is going to take from 2,000 years ago. You know what I mean, it's like reading the email from 2,000 years ago that God has a word for us today. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to just read verses 2 through 6, and then move on to some real short observations and conclusions. Follow along with me, please. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Paul writes, 
devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's a great little passage, right? Uh, so much built in here that Paul is kind of giving you. Here's how to do it. Here's what to do. And what I like to have us do is, is walk through how the concept of prayer and mission are integrated in Paul the Apostle's encouragement to the church. To us, for how we can best have that confidence to go forth and proclaim the message. Uh, Number one, we're going to see that prayer is essential in evangelism. When it comes to sharing the message of good news, you cannot take step two without step one, which is get down on your knees. Prayer is essential in evangelism. Uh, you're you're going to make a bunch of mistakes too, by the way. That's another thing that we found out this past week. I, I heard uh, many stories as to how uh, as some of our team members would wake up in the morning, they said, here's my plan for the day. I am going to go and share the love of God with this student and they are going to just accept Jesus. And that's how it's going to go. That's the day today. And then they went on and got on their day and it went nothing like that at all. God had a completely different plan in mind. God had a completely different student in mind. And the only way that, that's, that your uh, effectiveness in ministry is going to unite itself with God's plan is if you are connected with God in prayer. Now, one of the things that we were challenged by the team while we were over there uh, was to do some scripture memory. So every team member memorized a, a, a many, many passages of scripture. I, w- I want you to do that this morning. You're going to do that. Everybody ready? You're going to leave church this morning memorizing a verse. And I know some people aren't good at memorization. So hold on here. You ready for it? And put it up on the screen. Uh, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. All right. Should we, should we say it together? Ready? Pray without ceasing. How many times do we need to do that before you memorize it? Got it? Everybody got it? I love this verse. That's a whole verse. As Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, just get this. Just hold on to it. Don't ever stop praying. Always be in prayer. Pray without ceasing. And when it comes to evangelism, we need to know that this is step one. It is not secondary. It's not tertiary. tertiary. It is essential to evangelism. Secondly, prayer is our symphonic cooperation in evangelism. It's kind of a Funny sentence. Let me make sure you understand uh, what, I tra- what I mean there. Prayer is our, so this is your role to play, in a symphonic, so symphony, the, the idea that there are different instruments, different roles, different gifts that are happening all over. That's cooperative. Well, what is it that is keeping when you, have, uh, when you have an orchestra together? I mean, you've got notes on a page, right? But every instrument's got different notes. How come the whole thing doesn't sound like a cow pasture? 
Because the thing that's holding it together, sure, the conductor who's up front, but there's a time signature that's keeping everybody locked in as they go, right? You got to stay right on the beat. And that's, that, that's the conductor's number one job is to keep everything going. Well, who is the, who is the conductor for the church, right? It's, it's Jesus Christ. It's his, it's his spirit that he has given all of us to follow. And so how is it that we stay together in unity and in sync? It's through prayer. That's where the cooperation comes. Look back with me in the text in Colossians 4. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. That's our first observation. It's essential. Being watchful and thankful. And then verse 3, Paul asks the church in Colossae to pray for who? Isn't that amazing? To, to pray for him. Who would have thought that would have gone the other way around? I, I would have thought it would have been Paul praying for them, right? I mean, we're talking about the Apostle Paul here. But that's not what he says. He says, I need you to pray for me. What, what Paul sees here is that the effectiveness of Paul's unique role in evangelism is that he is counting on the church to be praying for him, not as they go, but as he Goes Now, I feel like in this, I might be most literally preaching to the choir on this because you all just got done doing this. Um, you, you heard me at the beginning of the service. I felt like as heartfelt as I can to thank you in this, but allow me once more to recognize how as I got to see the many and multifaceted ways that our personalities on the mission field and preferences on the mission field um, – being out of comfort zones on the mission field had the potential for dynamite, like terrible, like explosive. But it didn't. Not once, not one victory did the devil get in this last week. And there were many opportunities for it. And as I had the chance to, to just watch and to soak it in and to observe what was happening, it, it routinely occurred to me, this has to be because our people are praying. This has to be. It could have gone totally different. Why is it not leading to division and anger and frustration? Do you know why? It's because our entire church went on this mission. Although all of us who are still here were going by praying for us. That's the cooperative nature of evangelism. That's how it works. And Paul gets this. Paul asks the church to pray for him. This isn't the only place. This is not like a fluke, a one-off instance where Paul says, hey, we're in it together. Look with me at these other passages. This is from 2 Thessalonians. He says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. The writer to the book of Hebrews says at the end of his letter, and pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and a desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. I want you to see that it's, uh, it's an essential in evangelism, but it's also the cooperative nature of the symphony of God's design that we support one another in prayer. Uh, I hope you have um, maybe Facebook friend list or, or maybe a group text uh, list on your phone. I, I hope you have some group of folks within the faith community so that when something comes up in your life, the first thing you do is send them a note. Oh, please pray for me. 
I got this going on right now. I just, I don't know what's going to happen. Do you have that? If you don't have that, you need to have that. You need to have the ability to add a whim. Just send out the red flare up in the sky and say, be on your knees right now because this is happening. um, And God is going to use the whole church to come to bear together with this essential tool of prayer so that uh, his work will be accomplished. Thirdly, uh, prayer shows our our dependence on God uh, as the one who opens and as the one who closes doors. I believe that this is incredibly significant for our understanding of evangelism. Have you ever been frustrated with trying to share the good news with somebody and it just being like, eh, right? They're just not interested. Or, or you just feel like, well, it's just not sticking. Or have you had those moments of like, uh, I don't know what to say or I don't know why what I'm saying isn't working? Whose fault is that? Sometimes I think the devil is real quick to be like, well, that's you, dummy, right? You're the one that can't talk, right? You don't know how to share the gospel. Your life doesn't line up. Hold on. Slow down. Look look with me back into the text. Look back in Colossians 4. Part of the prayer here in verse 3 is that God may open a door for our message. I can't tell you how freeing it is to come to the understanding that it does not rely on you. The results of the work of evangelism are completely in God's hands. And how do we release that to God? Well, through prayer. But that, that's where we give back the results of our work to make him known so that it doesn't rest upon this false idea that the devil loves to stick us down with, that it's on us. It's on him. Look, it says in the text. Paul says, God's the one who opens the door. Subsequently, God's also the one who closes some doors. There's this uh, really important passage in Matthew's gospel. The first time Jesus has got his 12 buddies, right? They've been following him everywhere he goes. And Jesus now says, all right, fellas, you go. He sends them out ahead of him. And in doing so, he he gives them a couple instructions. Uh, He tells them as they enter a town, um, you are to find somebody. And if somebody receives you, stay at that house while you're in that town. The, The idea is God has already set someone in the city that you're going to who's going to receive you and stay there. That means that's the place that God's positioning you. He tells them, don't take a bunch of stuff with you. Don't fill your pockets with gold and think that you're going to do it all on your own. Trust me, don't take extra clothes. There, there is built, watch this, there is built into evangelism a weakness on the part of those who are going. Does that not seem completely opposite to our American sensibilities? What, what do you pack for a trip? The kitchen sink. You go in the bag if it could, right? We are prepared for every eventuality, whatever could happen. My wife's the best at this, you know, by the way, too. Um, what? Well, I got to be careful what I say now. Uh, <laughs> no one on the mission trip had more checked luggage than the flunkers. We'll just put it that way, right? And I got to be honest with you. Every time I had a little need, um, in fact, other people, oh, I need this. Guess what, Emily? I, I have that. I've got that. She's ready to go. That's not how it works with evangelism. That's not how it works. That by, by the way, the, the very fact that you have the ability to do that is an is a oddity in our world. Like for all time, that we can be so prepared for everything. 
That's not how evangelism is designed to work. You're designed to go into it with a, with a weakness to know I, I'm probably going to mess it up. I'm probably not going to have what I would be comfortable with to make this go the way I want it to go. Jesus sends his guys out with empty pockets, with less clothes than they would want to have. And then at the very end of this, in Matthew chapter 10, he says, and if they reject the message, you are to wipe the dust off your sandals as an act of judgment over their rejection of the message. And you need to move on. Who who was it that opened the door? God. Who was it that closed the door? God. And, And those missionaries, those evangelists didn't have to carry this idea that the weight relied on them. No, the expectation was as you, hear me now, as you go forth, there will be people who are like, I'm not interested in Jesus. I'm just not interested. And you got to be like, that's the worst. <laughs> well, you would say that, but you're free to do that. You, you're totally free to reject this message. I'm going to go find some, another fish that is going to get hooked. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try somewhere else to see if I can catch one somewhere else. Because God is the one who opens and God is the one who closes doors. And prayer is God's mechanism for our dependence on his ability to do that. Fourthly. Prayer restores strength, courage, and endurance. If you look back with me in in the text, you will see uh, in verse 4, at 3 and 4, he says at the middle of 3, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. That sounds like a rough Sunday, doesn't it? (laughs) If you're in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it. And earlier he used that same verb in three. Did you see it? Proclaim. Is that in your Bible mentioned twice? This proclamation that's going forth. Um, He calls it earlier the mystery of Christ. Uh, Bible study on Wednesday, if you're interested, we can talk more about that. Just don't have time this morning for what all that means. The mystery of Christ. But at the very end of verse four, he says that I may proclaim it clearly. Isn't that a weird request? We're talking about the Apostle Paul here. Of of all the things that I would expect Paul to ask prayer for, not one time would I think Paul needs to be like, "Ah, I need God's strength to get the message out clearly. What, What he means here is that it would be understandable to those he's going to. I totally wouldn't expect Paul to need help with that, but that's what he's asking for. So three areas, strength, courage, and endurance. Let's just look at those uh, in order here. Strength is the clearly request. Uh, the, the word here in Greek means to make, to make visible. So, so you see it. I need people to see the gospel. Sometimes it's hard. Is, is that ever true in your life? You ever get to that moment with somebody that you're trying uh, to reach and, uh, and the, the devil's got you worked over and right now the, the words coming to your mind are not gospel words coming to your mind, right? And uh, I, I know I am not displaying the love of God the way that I should be, right? I, I need help in that. In, in fact, we, would, we, we do an injustice to the work of evangelism when the behavior of our lives does not match the message of God's restoring mercy and grace, right? When those look separate, we're hypocrites. 
That, that's the reason people don't want to come to church. Paul needs help with that. We need help with that. The mechanism God gives you is prayer. Prayer will help to restore us in our strength. Not that we're strong in ourselves, but that the clarity of the message does find harmony with the behavior of our lives. I struggle with this. I don't know how much I want to confess in front of you, but I am just ugly prideful in my heart. And there are so many times I am uh, competitive and I want to compare because I want to think highly of who? Am I the only one today? You're just going to let me up here, leave me like high and dry. It's, it's tough. It's very tough because uh, that is where I need the spirit of God to overcome the flesh of Ryan so that Jesus is made to be glorious. And I am made to be just his instrument. I mean, no, nobody in listening to his symphony goes over and like applauds the instruments. Whoa, whoa, look. No, it's, it's. And that's what we are. We are the instruments. That's all we are. Sometimes we need the strength. And it comes through prayer. Just like the Apostle Paul is asking clarity. Look at courage. So courage here has to do with this mystery of Christ. Again, we want to talk more about this. But mystery here for Paul means that the Jews, along with what other people group, are allowed in. Jews and Gentiles. Now, is racism an issue in the world? Just, oh, okay. Don't want to get off topic. It frustrates me how simple-minded we are, that we divide over something as stupid as race and judge one another over something as surface as either the color of our skin or where you were born. I think it's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard of. It's not just a today problem. That was a huge, huge problem in Paul's day. The Jews did not like the Gentiles and the Gentiles hated those Jews. And yet God says, you're, you're all, all my children. I, uh, Jesus is for all of you. And that's what Paul means here when he says the mystery of Christ is that Jew and Gentile together can be reconciled. Now, have you ever, have you ever found yourself in the middle of a division with people? Have you ever been the peacemaker? Has it ever been your job, right? That's kind of a, that's a difficult role to be in. You know what you need in that moment? You need some courage. That's what Paul's asking here for. What's the very first thing you should do if you need courage? Good, you got it. Lastly, uh, endurance. Paul says um, in in verse three, the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Have you ever felt like giving up sometimes? Right? I I don't know how much it's going to take for you to be like, I'm done with this. How many arrests do you need in evangelism before you're like, I tried, it don't work. The apostle Paul is arrested. In fact, we have the, the beautiful passage. It says Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in prison, <laughs> in prison at midnight, locked up. And what are these two fellows doing? In jail, singing hymns, praying to the Lord. Oh my goodness. What? Can you imagine the rest of the, the prisoners? What, what happened to those guys? <laughs> like They deserve to be locked up. Listen, they're nuts. They're, they're singing in jail. Why? Because they're able to endure. 
They're able to continue. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, look, all the people have come before you. The faith that has not been realized in their lives, they lived on to seek that which they did not yet receive. So you too, keep running, run the race, don't quit, persevere. Jesus will help you. Don't give up. Sin's going to be there. Untangle yourself from it. Unshackle yourself from it because Jesus has freed you from it. But don't quit running. And the mechanism that God gives us for that is prayer. All right, you good on this? This is what I see as we look at Colossians, the observations that are there. A couple of conclusions then that have to do with our mission. Number one is this. Your mission isn't a person. Your mission is a proclamation. Again, in the text, in verse 3 and in verse 4, that which Paul is asking prayer for is that he might proclaim the message of good news. Notice he doesn't say that I might go get... uh, I'm trying to think of a a name of somebody who doesn't... I'm not going to pick on him. Like uh, Jim. Sorry, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) he's He's not talking about a specific person. Do you know that nobody wants to be your project? Nobody who you are seeking to evangelize wants to be that person. And do you know that's not your mission? Your mission isn't just one person. God's the one who will dictate which door is open and which door is closed. Do you know what your mission is? Your mission is to proclaim it clearly. That's your mission. You and I need to make sure that we're focusing not on making people our little pet projects, they, they will not enjoy learning that they are your project to save because that's not actually your mission. God is the one who will determine all those who are going to receive the gift of eternal life. And we don't know how God works in the hearts of these who respond and these who resist. All we need to be prepared to do is proclaim the message and let the results fall where they may according to God's design. So your, your mission is not a person. Your mission is a proclamation. And what, what does that change for us then? Think with me on this. If truly your mission is not to find one necessary people or person or group or coworker or family member, it's to everybody. Remember Jesus said, make disciples as you're going, wherever you're going. If your message is the proclamation, how are you doing with that? Do you know the message? Could you give an answer to the hope that you have for eternal life? I know it's not hard to, in the quietness of your um, office, you know, just bow your head and pray for that gym, that person, whoever that is, right? That's not hard to do. But what if they were to ask you the question, so why are you a Christian? Do you know the message? Not, not, do, you, do you now see that this is something that we can work on? This is something that through prayer, God is able to instill in our hearts. This is now something that you can send that immediate text message. Hey, man, I got a chance to meet with this person. Pray right now. Pray, 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 pray. Happy emoji. Praying hands emoji. Because your mission is not a person. It's a proclamation. Number two, your mission is not a result, but it's a relationship. You'll see in this text, if you look back with me into verse five, Paul says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That's a really interesting command, isn't it? Be wise. Here's what that means. You are not to be concerned with the results of evangelism. 
instead, and this is why we spent the whole first year on this effort that culminates the next Sunday, on good works, is because what we want to do is build a loving relationship with these people. That's your mission. Now, now what God does with that is up to who? Okay, y'all with me still on this, right? It's not up to you. The, the results of your effort to serve your neighbor who may never want anything to do with Jesus, the results are up to who? The results are up to God. It's your mission to be building bridges and building a relationship with them. Remember, Jesus says, wipe the dust off your feet. Look, look at this, the, the uh, evidence that Paul gives in 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth. He says, because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, right? No hypocrisy, your, your lifestyle, the way you live matches with your message. He says, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everybody else. Others will praise God. How in the blazes did they come into contact with the church in Corinth? Because they had a relationship with them. It's all about relationship, you guys. That's the whole reason that you're here. That God has left you here. To be loving them. Sometimes I think that the, the hardest shells, you know, those, I'm just never going to love Jesus. Sometimes I think those are the, the easiest ones to just have a relationship with. Because it's almost like, I get it. Totally know where you're at. That's fine. Still going to love you. <laughs> Heaping coals on their head. By, hey, all right. Some of you know what I mean by that, right? But it's, it's, easy, to, it's easy to do when you know that's your mission. Your mission is to leave the results to God. Don't put that on your shoulders. God will take care of that. You just focus on loving that neighbor. All right, number three, uh, your mission isn't just preparation for the mile. It's also preparation for the moment. This one is critical. And I I had to be careful how I phrase this because it's not an either or. Hear me loud and clear on this. You and I need to make sure that in our preparation towards evangelism, you are locked in for the long haul. How long of your life do you need to glorify God for? How long? Till retirement? (laughs) All of it. I got to be equipped. I I never arrive. You will never arrive. God will always have you growing sequentially, more progressive in your holiness to look more like Jesus. That never ends. But you also need to make sure that God at any moment can say, I need someone right now. Uh, Right there. Come, you're going to be, God says, you're going to be the one I'm going to choose to speak to this person right now. Uh, we had a Bible study a couple weeks ago about uh, the, uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Do you guys know this story? Philip is listening to who? Spirit of God. Spirit of God. We've already seen the mechanism God gives for that is a, is a relationship and communication with God through prayer. So we infer Philip is in prayer with God. The Spirit of God speaks to him saying, there's a chariot right now, right there. I need you to go talk to them. Philip says, got it. Goes right now. Look with me back in Colossians 4. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Doesn't say make eh, what you can out of every Make the most of it. Make the most of that opportunity. I, I, um, I can... Am I preaching long here? It feels like I might be. I, I missed a week. God deal with me. <laughs> Trying to fit two into one here. 
uh, the story I wanted to share with you, and I'll share this in more detail in, in two Sundays, that the worker that I wanted to share with, at the end of my week, I made it, this was my goal. Every day I was going to live my life with a particular behavior in front of him so that on my last day I could share the gospel with him so that he knew there was continuity here. Because, look, the workers are not all the sharpest Christians, right? They're good old boys a little bit, if you know what I mean. Does anyone know what I mean, right? That's kind of the the nature of what it looks like on the job site. But I wanted to act. I wanted my life to be characterized in such a way that when I got the chance to say, by the way, I'm a pastor, they'd be like, you're a pastor? (laughs) Not because I was acting wrong, but because we don't expect pastors to be on the job site with us. And so when I got to share the gospel with him, I purposefully, I did not lead him to a moment of making a decision right then. Making the most of that opportunity wasn't saying, do you want to bow your head right now and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior right now? That wasn't the making the most of the opportunity because that's not my job. Who's that result up to? That's up to God. What I wanted him is to be left with this relationship. Somebody who loved him, spent time with him, got to know him, joked with him, and then at the end invited him to give his entire heart to Jesus, just like I had, so I get to see him someday in heaven again. And I left it open-ended. And the goal was because that's how I was making the most of every opportunity. Now, again, I was available for God to use. I didn't know that was going to be the guy. But the Spirit of God spoke to me that this was, showed me this is, this is the man that I put you here for. So you, need, you get number three, everybody with me on this? You need to be, your mission, ready for the mile, but also for the moment at any, at any time. Just like in a chess game, right? God's the one who's moving the pieces. Sometimes we need to sacrifice a pawn for the larger goal. Are you willing to be sacrificed? Are you willing to be the one who says, no, I'll, I'll go right now if that's what God wills. So this is exactly what we see. Make the most of every opportunity. Lastly, number four, your mission is not quantity, but quality. This is in verse six. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, I very quickly want you to know full of grace means slow to judge. Good thing nobody in here likes to judge. We, we should be better at that than we are. Think higher of others than we think of ourselves. That's what it means to be full of grace. Uh, seasoned with salt means characterized as Christian. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about your um, witness being entertaining, witty, funny. You don't got to give jokes when you're sharing the gospel. You know what it needs to be? It needs to be Christian. Jesus says you're the salt. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, what's it good for? It's good for, it's good for nothing. Tr- throw it out. Throw it on the road. It doesn't matter anymore. So Jesus in this depiction of salt is the same thing that's being brought in here by Paul. It is the Christian nature of your conversation. That's important. That's what it means to be seasoned with salt. Uh, thirdly, to answer everyone So I'm talking about quality here, the quality of the relationship. And if you look back with me in verse six, the very last sentence says, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This one's a critical one. What Paul has in mind for you is that your gospel presentation is not cookie cutter. There are a lot of different um, methods of sharing the gospel. But you know that every person's different. Every single person is different. And you 
are expected by God to be skilled enough to know how to enter into that particular relationship with where that particular person is at. So that you're so keenly aware of their progress in the faith, you don't rush them ahead at sprinting speed. And you also don't sit down and kick off your shoes. You know exactly the pace at which they need it. You need to be prepared to give an answer to each one individually. Everybody with me on this? You get that idea? This was the passage that we heard already, 1 Peter 3. But in your hearts, revere, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. So what do we do with this? What do you think the first application is? It's an easy one, right? Let's pray. I've been, I've been preaching about it all morning. I don't need to say anything more. Uh, before, you, before you go share the word of God, ask God to go ahead of you. Number two, um, I found this one very helpful. If I were to, and we haven't talked about methodology very much since Sunday morning on evangelism. We're just looking at what the, what the word of God says about evangelism. Let me offer you this as a method. I think one of the most effective ways that you can start to bridge the gap of that relationship with the gospel is to simply ask that person, hey, how, how can I be praying for you? You know what that does to somebody? It's like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, give me, and, and their, their wheels start to spin. How, how do I need prayer? I need prayer? What do I need prayer for? Am I a sinner? Do you see how like, it just starts clicking ahead in their brain and starts opening up opportunities for more conversations? I, I want to encourage you. I think this little question is one of the very best ways that you can begin the conversation of evangelism. And don't just say it to say it. Mean it when you say it. Take note of it and then Go before God and pray for them. But ask them, how can I be praying for you? Last application. This is how I want to challenge us today. What would you say if someone asked you, why do you love God? I I tell you why I love cheeseburgers. I tell you why I love fishing. It's no problem. But why do you love God? I don't know how often you get challenged with that as a question, but this is exactly what the Christian needs to make sure they are equipped with. Two ways God will do that in your life. Being on mission, not with the results, but in a relationship. Being on a mission, making sure that you are endeavoring to share and proclaim the message, not trying to work on a person as a project. And then going with prayer. That God will equip you and I to know how to better answer every single person that asks us. Give me the reason for the hope that you have. Amen? Let's pray together.